Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. Today, we are joined by Annika Carroll, CEO of Sleep Like a Boss and Sleep and Health Coach for Women. In today's episode, we're talking all about optimizing sleep and the connection between inflammation and insomnia. Annika shares her knowledge about gut health and sleep, and she provides many essential tips for improving your sleep whether you are struggling with insomnia or you're just ready to optimize. Annika, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Julie, for having me. I'm excited. I am as well. This is such an important conversation and and such a a common challenge for people. Um, But I would love for you to share with listeners your journey. I know you have personal experience with sleep challenges Um, So how did you become the sleep specialist? You know, it kind of, I used to think sleep was my superpower. Like in my 20s and 30s, I was like, I would hit the pillow every night. I was out. I would wake up 30 minutes before the alarm. I would go, go, go. It wasn't a big deal. Then I had my son, which was a very traumatic experience because he was uh, um, super pretty and spent months in the NICU. And that whole experience just kind of revved up the nervous system a little. And then I went back to work like a year later and then had like really worked myself into a burnout. And the interesting thing when I couldn't work, I was exhausted and I couldn't sleep and I didn't understand it. I was like, my body is screaming for rest. And why do I wake up? at one or two or three every morning and I don't go back to sleep and it's just miserable. And it took a lot of visits to doctors who ran everything. And my doctor was even very diligent and ran panels that I don't think generally get run. And they used stuff like cameras down my throat to see this stuff in my gut and things and nobody found anything. And then I was like, well, this like something's wrong. And so I dug deeper, went into working with naturopaths, went into working with functional diagnostic practitioners who finally ran different tests, put everything together, and I could sleep again. And that was kind of that moment where I was like, oh, you know, if you can't sleep, you can't heal. But also, if we're not sleeping, our body just starts getting sicker over time, potentially. And if we're already, if our bucket's already a little fuller, and with them not sleeping, it kind of overflows. And so I was starting to talk to people and I was like, there's so many people out there who don't sleep. So that's kind of how I learned that sleep is a complex thing. It should be really natural to every one of us or most of us. Yes, there are some people who have an illness that will prevent them, but that's a minority, right? Generally, everybody should be able to sleep for sure. And if we don't, we have to really dig into why that is. And those could be different reasons for different people, but we should all be able to do it. And if we're not, we're just not supporting our system in an adequate way. So it is my passion to help other people with it for sure. 
I get it. This is, you know, this is how we land <laughs> in the wellness space, right? Yes. Is um, when we have complex, complicated histories that took a long time to figure out. And it's like, oh, we can, we can do this faster. We can help people shortcut, you know. And I love that you said, if you can't sleep, you cannot heal. You just can't. And, and so, so let's talk about, let's start with what are some of these causes of insomnia, whether it be, and I don't know if you differentiate between trouble falling asleep or also so common, like you experience is that wake up, you know, somewhere between one and three in the morning. And so, so what are, what are some things I'm sure when you first are working with people, even before the labs come back, you have an idea maybe of what's going on. Yeah, there and and maybe we'll break it down into two different levels and get to that falling asleep and staying asleep. So I from the way I look at sleep is to me there's three big buckets that we have to look at. The one is what I call behavior. Yep. It's my behavior throughout the day <laughs> attributing to my ability to fall asleep. Or am I hindering my ability to fall asleep or sleep through the night? And I'm just giving one right now that is very obvious to people. Do I drink coffee at 5 p.m.? Just so you know what I mean by behavior. Am I doing things with my nutrition, with my lifestyle, with my thinking that are not sleep-inducing? Yeah. Um, The other big one I see, that is something I often see with people who start to have trouble with sleep in any which way, is mindset. Mm -hmm. Because we start to tell ourselves a story. I'm a bad sleeper. This is going to happen to me tomorrow again. How I'm going to make it through the day, I have no idea. There is big, important meetings tomorrow. How can I even manage this? My body is just, like, broken. Um, None of that is actually true. All of those are stories and thoughts, right? Right, And. But that is a big thing. That's what happens to people um, because of those experiences. And that can often be a self-sabotaging behavior or thing that just makes sleep impossible. If we tell our body can't sleep, it can't sleep. Because it's going to protect you and keep you safe. And you're like, great. The third bucket, so behavior, mindset. And then the third bucket that I see, and that's often people who come to me when we're at that stage, is physiological. So there's something wrong in the body that hinders your body to get into this safe state of letting go and falling asleep, or that hinders the body from sleeping through the night. And a lot of my clients, they are often like, I've done all the sleep hygiene, I turn my phone off, I have the bedroom dark, I do all this stuff. And I still have problems. And my doctors have run all the labs and everything comes back normal. Um, but I, something's still wrong and it's right. often a combination of all of these actually. Yeah. I, it's, it reminds me of, I remember I used to, you know, say, oh, you know, what, what's the root cause, right? Like one thing, <laughs> um, and it's this never, you can't separate those threads and it, because one does lead to another too. And so. they do in, in like reciprocal ways, which yeah. is the problem, right? It's like right. bad behavior leads to the physiological issue. But if you had a physiological issue, it can also trigger bad behavior. Yeah. And mindset. Bad choices and you mindset. Know? It's kind of all <laughs> intertwined. Yeah. 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 It's hard. I know it's so difficult 
um, because not surprising, a lot of my autoimmune clients have sleep challenges when we're getting started. And there is such an important thing uh, uh, about, and it's so easy for me to say sitting here, holding it a little more lightly, right? Because when you get in bed and you're immediately in your head of like, ah, am I going to sleep tonight? Is it going to happen again? You know, like, like you said, you're, then you're creating that reality through those stories. Um, so I, I love that you point out that, you know, there may be a hierarchy of, of, you know, these buckets depending on the person, but it ends up usually being all three down the road. So, yes, uh, exactly. yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. So I want to talk a little bit because it's my favorite topic in the world <laughs> is because I'm just such a geek is inflammation mm-hmm. and, and everything, you know, we say and do and all, all these things. I mean, all, all of this, whether it's autoimmunity, wellness in general, you know, just health span. It, it all comes down to inflammation and chronic inflammation. So how how do you see inflammation directly impacting sleep? Yes. Maybe I'll take it one step back and quickly describe a little bit of the process of sleep in terms of hormones and everything that's involved so people then get where I'm coming from. Perfect. So to make it very simple, there are... Two, there's more, but we'll, we'll simplify it. There's right. two main hormones that guide what we call our circadian rhythm, our sleep-wake cycle. And the idea of the human circadian rhythm is that we are up when the sun is up and we are down when the sun is down. This does not apply to shift workers, but in general, that is how right. the human body would ideally operate. So back in the day, we would be out with sunrise and when the sun goes down, we would be in our caves with the fire, and then we would turn the fire, like the fire would go off, and we would go to sleep. How does the body do this? The body does that through releasing or excreting hormones, cortisol and melatonin. And people might have heard of melatonin because a lot of people use it as a sleep supplement. Um, but the 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 important hormone here is cortisol and cortisol is has a bit of a bad rep as a stress hormone but it's actually what gives you energy sure we need a we want our cortisol we to be want high cortisol we want good amounts of cortisol yeah. we just want them at the right time of day mm-hmm. we want it to come in in the morning and really the body to power up cortisol that gives us energy for the day that helps do all kinds of things our metabolism our blood sugar regulation all these things are dependent on cortisol And we want cortisol to come down nicely throughout the afternoon, get lower in the evening, and then melatonin comes in. And melatonin rises and should be able to make you fall asleep and then help you sleep through the night. Um, So this should be like a good balance of how these two work with each other. The interesting thing about that is how the body knows when to release what, Mm -hmm. when to release cortisol, and when to release melatonin all depends on light or the absence of light. Yep. So the day, like the sun or the moon, basically. Um, How much light at what degree falls into the retina of your eye. And then you can imagine there's like a timer in your brain that gets set. And that tells the body when to release, not just cortisol and melatonin, all kinds of other hormones, 
but those two. And if that works well, you can sleep well. You'll have energy throughout the day and you'll sleep well overnight. Now, if we have inflammation, Mm -hmm. what a lot of people don't know is cortisol is an anti-inflammatory. A great one. It helps the body. It helps the immune system manage inflammation. So it could be acute. So like the classic example is the paper cut, right? Like you slice your finger on a piece of paper. Maybe it starts bleeding and it becomes quite red before it heals. Um, that's inflammation. That's acute inflammation. That's your body sending all its goodies to heal that cut. And cortisol will be there to rev up the immune system and help with that immune response. So that's acute. That's going to go away. Fine. We're back in balance. If we constantly have inflammation residing from the gut, making its way through the system, our body will constantly release cortisol in amounts that are potentially not healthy because they're not being released at the time of day in the proper quantities that we want, and it can hinder melatonin's ability to do its job. If this goes on for too long, um, because a lot of us don't even know that we have inflammation... Mm-hmm. and we just live our lives um, and wonder why we're so exhausted, then at some point your body is like, you know what, there's so much inflammation. I've, I'm doing everything I can, but it's just my capacity. It just isn't there. And it will either just downregulate its immune response. So you might be getting sick a lot more, might be catching every cold on the planet and um, because the immune system just is not strong enough. And you might start seeing changes in your circadian rhythm. Like we sometimes also then see people who are like, you know, I'm getting this, like, I'm really tired all day. And then at nine o'clock at night, I'm like, now I could work. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like, no. It is very common. common. Yeah. But it's not intended. Like we're not. It's not ideal. No. (laughs) Not optimal. No. And is that something you can do for a few weeks? Maybe technically it's not Mm, ideal because a lot of people can't, like you can't come back. The coming right. back is the problem. So it's really that connection to understand that cortisol is an anti-inflammatory agent. And if we have inflammation, and like we said, so many people have it and don't know, mm-hmm. that is often one of the key drivers. And if then cortisol is in the system for too, in too high amounts, we have a problem with melatonin. So we cannot sleep through the night often. Our liver gets really stressed. Another one of those pesky 3 a.m. things, right? Eventually, your thyroid's going to be affected because your thyroid's like, if you're going 180 miles an hour on cortisol all the time, I'm going to slow down because I'm here, the metabolism regulator, and I'm not pushing the gas pedal if you're high on cortisol because you burn the body out immediately. So the body's really smart, but it downregulates. Eventually, when cortisol becomes lower, another hormone becomes lower, and that's called DHEA. That is like a counterbalancing hormone to cortisol, if that goes down and is not adjusted, your sex hormones are going down. All of, yeah, that's... <laughs> Estosterone, yeah. estrogen, progesterone. And and what we're always... People are like, oh, is this really such a big... If you don't have your sex hormones right either, and you, your sleep can be affected by that too. I see it all the time in clients. But that is often not the root cause. Yes, there is perimenopause, menopause, there's andropause, there are changes in flux, but they're the root cause often is inflammation that just has been lingering for so long and has had its implications 
And then people never slept well right. and never restored the system. Yeah. And this is the, the, the hormone balance is so essential. This is one of those things that can go in all kinds of directions because as women, it is common when, if somebody is estrogen dominant or going through perimenopause, you know, as their progesterone drops and, and especially if they've got a lot of estrone or, you know, inflammatory estrogen, it will affect their sleep and, and, you know, getting those hormones balanced. This is, again, we're talking early in the cycle. We're not talking about somebody who has insomnia for years, but it's amazing, you know, where, when you can get those hormones rebalanced sleep, all of a sudden people are like, oh, I'm sleeping like a rock star, you yeah. know? So say somebody has that going on and it's not treated, then you you can totally get into that that cycle. And then you've got that chronic inflammation, you've got the chronic sleep challenges and it, it becomes, and then we won't talk about it, but I can't talk about sleep and not mention, you know, detox. Like we're, our brain is detoxing when we sleep. We're, as you mentioned, we're healing when we sleep. So I would say the sooner people can interrupt that, that cycle. Um, and a thank you for the the nice explanation for people on, on how, you know, cortisol and melatonin play. My clients always think I'm nuts when the first thing, you know, we start to do with sleep is, you know, AM sunlight in your eyes without your yes. sunglasses on. And they're yes. like, no, no, no. But, but my problem's at night. And I'm like, oh, but it starts in the morning. So let's exactly. start Exactly. That's the thing, right? Your bedtime yeah. routine starts in the morning. What yep. you do that one, isn't bedtime routine important? Yes, because we need to yeah. wind down. But that last hour isn't going to cut it if everything you've done throughout the day was counterproductive. Counterproductive, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. not just not going to cut it. And and because of that light and dark relation of cortisol and melatonin, that is why that morning light is so crucial. And what it does also, like that's what I hear from clients all the time. Within a week, they're like, my afternoon energy is so good. And I'm kind of sliding into the evening. I'm not like dumping and then I need something that I know I shouldn't be having uh -huh. because they're not going to caffeine <laughs> anymore. They're going to go to sugar. So that just makes it so much smoother. And it's it's free and it's technically so easy to do. And once you have the habit of it and you feel the benefit, it makes yeah. it easy to keep going. It, it really does. It, it's so, and, and again, you know, we're living, we have all this technology. You and I are, you know, looking at blue, blue light right now happens to be morning, you know, that's so, um, but we need to actually all take action to protect that natural cycle or return to that natural cycle. Because I loved how you mentioned even even the fire. I mean, I have in my bedroom, I have red lights, like my, my light bulbs are red because you know, that that's the kind of light we were getting in our eyes before we would go to sleep. And so my brain, I can feel my brain sigh Yeah, when it just, you know, it's that cue. It's like, huh? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I totally well. agree. And I think that, um, and some people might be like, oh my God, red lights in my bedroom. Like this all just sounds like. Are we like, joke. It does look a little bit doing. like, <laughs> it looks a little like a brothel from the outside. Yeah. It, it does. <laughs> that too. Yes. And I get it. 
But what I always tell my clients, like the number one thing I think in the household that we often forget about because they're everywhere are pot lights. Mm-hmm. And pot lights are not just, and we had some put in like two years ago and I've Down been talking the, to people in the, it's like, in the States we call them can lights, but yeah. 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 Oh, well, well, and actually all light bulbs, unless you're making intentional choices. Yes. And like, that's what we do. Like we do that, but the light, the, the ones that are in the ceiling are so mm-hmm. bright. Like you can basically, you, there's not many manufacturers where you can even get a different hue that mm-hmm. it's just more orangey red. And the important thing there is what we never think about is where's the light coming from it's straight above you so the angle that it falls into your eye your brain thinks it's 12 o'clock noon and why should i release melatonin at 12 o'clock noon i'm not set up that way so it will not do that so if you have those lights and you can put put them on a dimmer yeah is the first thing i would do the other thing really try like in the kitchen if you have under counter lighting turn that on Everything that's below eye level, side table lamps, you know, we some people don't have them anymore, but we used to have these in the living rooms next to our sure. couches. And then yeah. you can read your book and the light shines yeah. on the book and not in your eyes. That's all great. Those kinds of things, like really avoid that overhead light at night. So yeah. your brain doesn't think um, it's party time. I love that. And the kind of light bulb matters as well and so uh, the the home i'm in well it's not that new anymore now it's about six years old but even six years ago i had to fight i built the home and i had to kind of fight with the electricians because i said i don't want led lights in my house and i don't want fluorescent lights in my house and they were like that's insane that's ridiculous that's then i know now they are making like you said, you know, there you have to be intentional to to, to find the warmer hues. Um, but I have old school, old fashioned incandescent lights in my mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. Um, because I could, I could make that decision. And so I actually do know people that don't use lights at night; they only use, you know, candles. <laughs> and um, then you have to be careful about. The, not the, that's not so well <laughs> and the, and the you know what kind of candles yeah. they're not always so healthy either um but but that's the thing we don't actually have to live like cave people we can compensate um and so i love i love that suggestion of you know really pay attention to that angle of the light and and again i guess maybe it is old school get some lamps yeah, <laughs> yeah. so how do you go about finding, you know, what is going on with your clients, whether you're looking for inflammation or determining, you know, where you where you really need to address with them? So what I do is I, the one thing I do is I run a bunch of functional tests on them. So I do look at their gut because that is the source of the problem often. And that's where we find the leaky gut. So if we have the leaky gut, we have systemic inflammation. We often have inflammation in the brain. And if we have inflammation in the brain, there's no way you're going to get a good night's sleep. Like it's just not happening. So we can seal that gut and get that out of the system. And then they're a lot better. There could be from a sleep perspective in general, there could also be some other things in the gut that cause sleep. Candida overgrowth, Mm -hmm. yeast infections, is a nasty one for sleep. 
like people often don't know that, but it is so nasty. If you get candida out, people sleep a lot better. Parasites, people always tell me I there's no way I have parasites. I've maybe even never left the country in my life. Oops, there they show, right? It's like they're everywhere. Um, and then I look at hormones. So of course I look at your cortisol pattern, I look at your melatonin, I look at your sex hormones. So we run the Dutch test. Um then I look at nutrient deficiencies in heavy metals because nutrient deficiencies, if we are, if we have like an imbalance in calcium, magnesium, for instance, because people often supplement magnesium when they can't sleep, which is right. great. It's just, we kind of have to watch out that the rest of the body doesn't get out of whack if we're doing certain things for too long or at too high doses, because calcium is a very calming mineral, can very much support in sleep. Um, if we have heavy metals, mercury, lead, those kinds of things rev up your system. They need to not be there. And copper is a huge one for anxiety. I often see it in women who've been on birth control. Mm-hmm. Some women are on copper IUDs. Yep. Um, they take um, antihistamine sleeping pills at night. As soon as we see that and we address that, the anxiety gets goes away and then we can work on the rest. Like that's really copper is a big one. And the other thing I've started doing now, and I'm seeing very good results with that is neurotransmitter testing. Ah, love it. So we look into those chemical messengers that can either rev, like basically rev up your system or calm down your system. And we need them both. So adrenaline, serotonin, all those kinds of fun things. And they need to be in a healthy ratio to each other. And if ratios are reversed sometimes, that really has a big issue on uh, with sleep. People have big issues with sleep. And I see it. You see the correlation. I have one client right now. This poor person does not have a microbiome. Mm-hmm. Like literally, there's almost nothing left in this person's gut in terms of good bacteria. We don't have a lot of overgrowth, but we just don't have like keystone. This person's neurotransmitters are tanked. Sure. That's where your neurotransmitters are made. <laughs> so it's all, it all works together. But then if we can yeah. support her, and I don't want people on like a massive supplement regime for the rest of their lives, sure. but I want them to go into a place where their body's able to pick back up right, and do these things. So we do all that functional testing. The other thing I do with people is I look at what's 24 hours in your day like. Mm-hmm. Sure. What are you doing when are there, when are you eating? What are you eating? When are you exercising? What are you doing there? How's your stress management? All those kinds of things. And then we do in correlation with the gut testing, we do look at diet for sure. Sure. Because talking inflammation, right? Like a lot of people, like if we say it starts in the gut, it starts with what do we eat? What do we breathe? What do we drink? Right. That's right. where the inflammation doesn't just show up in the gut. It comes from something and nutrition. So what we eat or consume is one of the biggest contributors. So we need to make sure that that is in a state that is good for the body and potentially at least in the beginning in a more restricted state so the body can heal because it's just at that place where it just it just needs a breather. Like, and then, right. So we need to, the whole person does because they're not sleeping, but we need to kind of find those puzzle pieces that will just give the body 
a way to reduce cortisol overall. Mm-hmm. Right. Let it breathe and then let it get to healing and to sleep. So I can't help myself. I'm going to say it could be a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you dropped a teaser. Are there certain foods in your work when you're creating that restricted period? Do you have foods that you just for everybody say, hey, let's pause these things? Yes. I and to me, there's there's one food where I am super strict, and that is gluten. Uh-huh. <laughs> and everything else, I want people to try their best. Diet changes are really hard. Depending also, do you have a family and they don't want to come along and then you need to start finding ways. Um, Try your best with everything else. The things that I definitely, so gluten for sure, alcohol and sugar need to go for a certain amount of time. If we're trying to fix sleep, those are not helpful. And with sugar, I mean processed added things. Can you have Mm -hmm. some maple syrup, some honeys and things like that? Yes, you can in moderation. Who like to restrict dairy Mm-hmm. At least in the beginning. Um, that's often very hard for people because like especially cheeses with how it works in the body is a very difficult thing for people to give up. But we yeah. often have digestive issues anyhow. Like a lot sure. of my clients either have constipation or diarrhea or something. So when we take dairy out, I often say just do it for a week. Just give it a try. Oh, you're so much more gentle than I am. <laughs> yeah, but the digestion improves in three days. Basically, right. they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, I told you it was a cheese. So then we take that out. And to me, we need to take it out a bit and then put it back in at a later stage once we've healed the gut. And depending on also how their calcium levels look and things, well, we're kind of, because it's very high in calcium and not so high in magnesium. So we kind of look at that a little. Um, and then it depends on what we find on the gut test. Like if somebody has candida, there's a few things I'll have to cut out even though they might be great, but like your sauerkrauts and fermented things might not be so great for a minute until we have that sorted and then everything can come back in. But yeah, it's basically that I would say I start with the really big offenders. So yeah. things that most people react to. So gluten, dairy, sugar, alcohol for sure. And anything that you know that you get some weird funny feeling in the stomach the minute you ate it, you get bloating, things that make your tongue feel funny, your skin itchy. Because a lot of people have actually quite a list, but those things are just so nice to eat sometimes, <laughs> right? Because like your body craves them sometimes, even though it knows they're not so great. And, and those I would really also take out because they just always cause that immune response in the gut and we already have the inflammation and we don't want to or more oil in the fire, basically. Yeah. No. And are you more st- are you more strict with your uh, diet? I am. I individualize mm-hmm. for my clients for sure, and and yes, the, all of those are definitely included. I I do a lot of food sensitivity panels mm-hmm. as well because you know I know that once somebody has autoimmunity, there's no question: do they have leaky gut? Yes, you have yes, leaky gut. Yeah. yeah. And, but I'm, I'm like you, I actually go even like, I tell again, especially if we're talking about people with an autoimmune diagnosis, that gluten really does need to be cut. There is no yeah. kind of sort of gluten-free, like you, this is, this is something you are going to need to avoid 
we do a reintroduction because I want them to feel how horrible they feel once they're cleaned. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I, I like I'm going after those food sensitivities as well for that same reason because so many people have come in and they've been really tr- on on plan already with diet but they didn't heal the leaky gut. And so, you know, then they've got the sensitivities to those, you know, wonderful nutrient dense veggies they've been eating because they're good for you. So yeah, that's. Yeah, I totally. And that's like a thing I had a client and it's funny with the gluten because I had a client, she has lichen and she was on a cortisone cream forever, which totally wrecked her adrenals. And um, I was like, well, we have to get you off that cortisone cream. And then, and I was like, and by the way, we're cutting gluten. And then she was like, well, it's going to be so hard because my boyfriend's family is actually Italian. So there comes the pasta, right? Mm-hmm. And they did it. And within like two weeks, she's like, that is gone. Yeah. And then she reintroduced sourdough, which worked a certain kind from a certain bakery worked. And then she they bought the wrong bread. And she's like, I'm having a full flare up. What yep. am I doing? I'm like, yeah, this and this and this, what we're doing. It's gone. Like, and people yeah. are always like, they sometimes tell me like at the end of working together, they're like, oh, I actually had this condition that they never right. mentioned. Right. And they're like, this is actually now gone. Right. I'm like, and I'm telling you, if that's you, do not put gluten in your system ever. Like ideally, if right. you can, never again. And then they try it and they get the flare up and they're like, oh yeah, okay, let's not do it. And I'm that's not great. That. If that's your trigger and that's in the end all, like brings you such relief. Great. Right. And sometimes it's funny, like talking about food sensitivities. I don't so much run them on clients anymore, just sometimes, because I had a guy, super healthy, can't sleep, tried everything, gluten-free, gluten comes back elevated on the test, right? So we're like, I'm like, no, we're digging. Like, And even as doctors, GI doctors, I get this as we, I'm like, no, we're digging. And so he's Mr. Super Healthy. The only food he eats, like grainy, carby type stuff is rice. I'm like, no, we're testing. Like, comes, I'm like, see, we're taking this out for now. You're not healing because you keep putting the same food into your body every day. That is one of your main offenders. Right. right. Well, and that's, I used to do, that was, you know, we would do the protocol. And then if we weren't getting the results we wanted, we w- I would then do the the sensitivity panel. But for the most part, by the time people are coming to me, you know, specifically they, yeah. for autoimmunity, they they don't want to, you know, wait. And I don't no, like you want the information then. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like that elimination phase to be longer than it needs to yeah. either, you know. And so um the the toughest are the people that don't feel the flare from the gluten. And the reason, you know, why I say never, ever, ever you do all this work to heal your gut back up and and restore that gut barrier. And we know it's not a theory anymore. We know it's science. Gluten causes leaky gut. It's not the only cause, but so why would you mess with it if you put all that work in? Absolutely. I agree. It doesn't make sense. So you were talking about neurotransmitters before. I see so many people, all of a sudden anxiety is gone, right? So um, it's, it's lots of fun. And yeah, we are complex humans and the gut is really important for sleep, inflammation, pain, fatigue, all the things is you have to address the gut health. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love it. 
So what is one, I know you gave us some tips, but this is your opportunity to either add or highlight. What is one step that listeners can take starting today to improve their sleep? Well, we talked about, and I'm going to reiterate and then maybe give one more. The one that you talked about with what you do with all your clients, get sunlight within the first, I always say 30 minutes after waking up. And what does sunlight mean? Natural light. Either open your window all the way so you can see the sky, not through the glass, but you're actually looking outside. Sit there with a cup of warm water or something and look at the sky for 10 minutes or step on your porch. Or if you have a dog, go and walk the dog early. And that sets your cortisol and your melatonin for the day. And it is game changer. If you do that, that is game changer. And if you can get a few more touch points throughout the day where you have, even if it's five minutes, go outside and give your body that without sunglasses, that moment, that light that comes into your eyes. And we don't need to stare at the sun for that because we don't want to hurt our eyes, but you just need that light exposure outside. And that gives the brain more input on what time it is because the sun changes its angle at which it hits your eye. And with that, the body knows what time it is. That's the only way you know. And you, if you ever work in an office that has no windows, you have no clue what time it is. Sure. And that is basically why, because you don't see how the light changes. And so that's a big one. And the other one is for people, either when you have trouble falling asleep or when you wake up and like your monkey brain kind of goes mm-hmm. on. And do a brain dump at the end of the day. Yeah. So, so helpful. And so easy to do. So you can do it either like directly at the end of your work day or maybe after dinner. I wouldn't do it too close to bedtime necessarily. So not like half an hour before bed, but before that is fine. And you can just take a piece of paper and you write down everything that's on your mind. And it doesn't have to, it's not a to-do list. That's not the intention. You can turn that into a to-do list the next day. But so you can write down, oh, still have to call mom, have to pick up the kids from soccer tomorrow, need to book the dentist appointment. If those are things that are on your mind at that moment, just let it all flow on the paper. But you can also write things like, if that's still in there, person cut me off today, really annoyed me. Somebody (laughs) took my parking spot. That client of mine didn't do like <laughs> that protocol as much, like makes me a bit sad or frustrated, or um, I need to talk to them about that, or I still need to go to the grocery store. Like anything that comes to mind on the paper, because your brain sees, oh, it's safe. Somebody's taking care of it. It's actually written down. Right. So I don't need to keep that in here, which A gives you more capacity, but B just helps people to not have this anxiety build up from, I forgot something. I need to still do this. I need to still do that. And if that is something that happens at night to you when you wake up, also have a piece of paper and a pen next to you, write it down, and then you should be able to turn around and somewhat quickly fall asleep rather than ruminating over these things. Yeah. So, so helpful. I've seen it be so impactful. It's It's a great exercise. It really is. It's a good release especially to break cycles. You know, somebody's in that deep cycle of it's been, you know, or they have put on that identity. I'm just a bad sleeper. Let's, no, 
you're not. Yeah. You can you can address that. And yeah. yes, the longer we we've done it, the longer it might take. Sure. But you can address that. If you're somebody who has the motivation to do it, I think that's the most important thing, right? I love it. Annika, for people listening on the go, where's the best place to find you? The best place to find me is I would say either sleeplikeaboss.com, the website where we have tons of blog posts and tons of information, or YouTube. I have a podcast. It's the Sleep Like a Boss podcast, but you can listen to it also on video on YouTube or you do the. Those are probably the biggest ones. I am on Instagram, but I'm not the most active person. (laughs) I get it. We're busy and with our real life. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm giving you permission. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I love it. Thank you so, so much. This has been amazing. And and I know listeners are going to get just a ton of value out of this um, because sleep is essential. We, we all need to, and we can all up level. And so whether you're somebody who is stuck in that cycle or not, there's just amazing gold in this episode. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes at inspiredliving.show. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.